0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1125.
1: Motor racing, or auto racing as you call it over there, I think, is just full of characters, and it takes a very special person to get behind the wheel and try and go quicker than the next guy. <laughs>
0: Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from across the pond in the UK, Peter Hyam. Peter, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Always ready and really glad to be on your show.
0: Well, thank you, great to have you here. Peter Hyam has been working in the British motorsport press since 1986 when he joined Autosport. His time with Autosport spans 28 years and includes running the annual Autosport Awards Uh, Just a little party for about 1,200 guests that range from people like Ayrton Senna, Richard Petty, Lewis Hamilton, and Mario Andretti. Peter managed their photographic archives for 17 years and was Autosport and F1 Racing Magazine's publishing director before going freelance in 2014. His first book, The Guinness Guide to Motor Racing, came out in 1993 and was updated as the International Motor Racing Guide a decade later. His three-volume World Encyclopedia of Racing Drivers was published in 2013, and he is currently working on a decade-by-decade history of Formula One, F1 car-by-car, with the 1960s and 1970s books already published. So, Peter, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for motor racing?
1: Thank you, Mark. I, I um, came from a very non-sporting family, so it was surprised when I got really excited about motor racing when I watched a Formula One race in 1973 in which it snowed and the leader spun and it was all chaos. And I just was hooked from that <laughs> moment. I love the sport, all forms of it, from Europe to the U.S. So, um no, great, great enthusiast.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to thank Judy Stropas for connecting us. Judy's been a past guest here, a journalist and marvelous uh, fan of automobiles and racing. So thank you. Shout out to Judy. If you listeners missed my talk with her, please go back and find her on the Cars.com website. Well, Peter, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in uh, your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning, or I should say smoking, since we're racing fans today. Here on Cars, yeah, so Peter, take the wheel.
1: That's an interesting question. Uh, just motor racing, or auto racing as you call it over there, I think, is just full of characters, and it takes a very special person to get behind the wheel and try and go quicker than the next guy.
0: Absolutely. How have you incorporated that concept of what race car drivers are, their personalities, into your business and your life and your passion for motor racing?
1: Well, I, I've always loved the history of the sport. It's great to watch a race now, but I think it means so much more when you put it in context with the greats that have gone before. So you take the Monaco Grand Prix over here and someone like Tazio Nuvolari raced on those same streets that Lewis Hamilton raced on this year. And it's the history that gives now the, the, the relevance, basically, and why a great racing driver, like I just mentioned Lewis, you know, why is he a great racing driver? It only is looking at the history that I think you can really judge um, the current people so for me it's the history that gives context to, to now
0: When you're researching your books and you're looking back into histories and drivers what are some of the things you utilize especially for drivers that are no longer with us perhaps or drivers uh, uh, that are still with us that you can actually talk with but what are some of the ways that you dive back into that history to get it right, get it accurate so that your readers have a real sense of being there and understanding what went through those drivers' minds?
1: There are many great books written about the sport and that's great to read because you get the modern perspective or or an overview with a historical perspective on on things that happened. But what I try and do is go back to contemporary race reports and news stories and things like that and colour pieces that try and give you a feeling for how people were thinking about the racing at that time. So if you went and read a, a newspaper report or a report from a contemporary magazine about whether Fernando Alonso, who has just announced he's not going to race in Formula One next year, so we all assume he's going to go to Indy, maybe he'll go and race something else. And that's what history will report. But today, the contemporary magazines and newspapers will all say he's going to do the Indy 500 in Indianapolis. And that gives you the feel for now and, and what people are thinking about now. Interesting. Did that make very cool. Mo, did that? Did that make sense?
0: I think it did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always uh, intriguing to me. Uh, writing a book is such a daunting challenge, and doing it in a very good way. But when you deal with history, there's so many other facets involved versus interviewing people like what I do, or sitting down and looking at current times. So I'm always intrigued how different writers. And I've had dozens, if not hundreds, of authors on this show now who write about history how they go back and discover all the uh, layers of that onion as you peel that back, if you will, and do it in a way that's accurate, of course, which is important to any journalist. Well, you shared with us at the beginning kind of a start to your passion for racing, going to that race and uh, watching the car spin in the snow and so forth. Is that the pivotal moment in your life when you decided that you were a car guy, you were a racer? And I know you're you're more of a race fan than a streetcar person, but to dedicate your life to riding and working in the field of motorsport, uh, is there a bit that pivotal moment you can share with us when you knew this is what I want to do?
1: That was, I mean, I, I was 10. That was the moment when I, I wouldn't have even known about motor racing before then, really. But watching that race, I, I was watching on television. It was the International Trophy at Silverstone, which was a non-championship Formula One race. A guy called Ronnie Peterson, who was my hero then um, for the rest of that oh, decade, yeah. until unfortunately he died, um, was just, you know, um, a, a hero figure. So um, I got massively engrossed in it. I didn't understand why the newspapers in this country... Had something called racing and it was all about horses. I was trying to find out things about cars. Then got introduced to AutoSport Magazine, which is the weekly magazine over here. Um, Motorsport Magazine, the, the, the leading monthly. And, you know, I was hooked. Um, it was, it was then a sport for heroes and it still is a sport for heroes in my
0: opinion. Absolutely. Do you remember the first F1 race you attended?
1: The first one I actually went to was 1981 British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Oh, sorry, nice. no, I'm wrong. I'll start that again. The first race I ever went to was the 1979 Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, mm. um, which was okay. famous for Gilles Villeneuve having a puncture while battling for the lead with Alan Jones and then completing the lap with the tire and the wheel oh, hanging yeah. off the back of his I've car. I've
0: seen that video. Yes, yeah, amazing. Um,
1: it is amazing. And um, I remember in the press, he was castigated as irresponsible by 50%, and Loved for being a real racer by the other 50%. And I knew which side I was on. Um, oh, yeah, but that was, that was, unfortunately, I had a commitment. I mean, I couldn't go to the British Grand Prix until 1981 when, uh, I first went to the British Grand Prix and saw, uh, John Watson win, um, which was a local victory. So that was much, much celebrated.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. The great late Gilles Villeneuve. Um, Oh, amazing guy to watch racing up there with the, the likes of Asenna and uh, a few other people who just had a go for it, uh, don't stop attitude about racing. Just uh, incredible times too. Amazing.
1: Villeneuve wanted to win every lap. He didn't matter about anything else.
0: Yes.
1: He just wanted to win every lap.
0: Oh, yeah. Incredible, incredible racer. Well, I would love to take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Talk about a challenge that you faced along the way in your career that, maybe it was a bit of a setback or even a big failure that you faced because these things are marvelous learning lessons. And by sharing this, we can help others who might be going through similar things. So walk us through one of those times in your life, kind of take us there, if you will, you're a writer and help us understand how that experience helped you move forward and gain even more momentum after the fact.
1: That's interesting. And um, i trying to think back and, and, and come across one thing. I, there was one point in my career I, I Joined Auto Sport as you said at the top of the show in 1986, and I worked in the commercial side of the business, but wrote book, books for fun. Uh, there was one point where uh, I was sort of sideways moved within the organisation to manage uh, our newly acquired photographic archive, LAT Photographic, which is mm-hmm. the biggest archive about motor racing and uh, and motoring. I believe still is and getting bigger all the time. I believe at the time it wasn't a great career move, but it was just the best thing I'd done because suddenly I was managing a business that was trying to preserve history and make a living out of managing an archive of 13 million images dating from 1894 oh to the present wow. day and, you know, growing every day with every Grand Prix and every IndyCar race. And, and it was, I did that for 17 years and it was, it was a challenge, just great fun and it was great to work with the pictures. So, um, it's quite nice full, full circle because LAT provide most of the images for my current set of books. So
0: um, marvel they're working with them now. Well, what's your big takeaway from that experience? Because you kind of alluded here that it was a sideways move. And I would assume in, in most businesses when you're working, you always want to keep moving up that ladder if you would. Uh, if you could say it that way and to what at the time you thought it was somewhat of a lateral move, but turned out to be a brilliant and, and marvelous thing for you. What's a good takeaway lesson you might offer somebody that might be in a similar situation at their business being moved kind of in a lateral way versus up a ladder?
1: That's, uh, this is, this is becoming a, a career guidance talk. I, um, <laughs> what would I take away from it? It didn't look like the right move career wise, but it, they were looking after me. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes what isn't obvious actually is, if you see what I mean.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love the way you said that, too, because sometimes it is not obvious to us. But those around us, those mentors, those guiders in our lives, whether they be a boss or a partner, a business partner, a marriage partner, a family partner, whoever it might be, uh, sometimes can see things a little more clearly than we can. So marvelous. Fantastic. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share What I call a career aha moment or a pivot. Now, you made a big pivot in your career. You went freelance. Maybe that's what you want to talk about today because that's a big, bold move. Tell us how that motion or those steps uh, took you you into a a new dimension or a a new avenue for success.
1: Um, As I said a a few minutes ago, I've always written books for for fun. I had this idea for for a um, most racing stats book way back when because most books – over here it's about formula one and i just wanted to do something that was about all forms of racing so this has been in my head since i was a kid and and one day i was lucky enough to get a publisher and, and get the thing published by by guinness so i had done that for fun and then done a couple of other books along the way and i decided i wanted to do more editorial type work having having worked on the commercial side for most of my career or all of my career i wanted to to give it a go to to write and earn a living that way. And um, it's been massively rewarding. Long long may it continue to be so.
0: You know, this is a thing that's a reoccurring uh, issue with many of my guests who have made a big move and change in their careers. And it was very frightening perhaps at the time, a little scary, a little daunting, but proved to be successful. My takeaway from your story and these others is the sooner you do it, in many cases, the better. Just do it. Because uh, to get at the end of a career or the end of a life and say I wish I would have tried that is always a tough position to be in. That should have, would have, could have. So I'm really happy you made that move.
1: I'm a careful man and I just put things in place. There you go. Um, Always important. Yeah. Try and make the move. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it
0: rashly. No, no, that's not a good idea. Have a landing path uh, laid out, primarily in finances in many ways. Save your money. Uh, a lot of people become sidepreneurs, I call them, working on their their uh, hobby on the sides until they can turn it into a career. Uh, that's another nice way to do it as well. There's a lot of extra hours in the day. You'd be amazed if you just turn the TV off and uh, work what you can get done. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. I know at the the top, or when we were chatting before we started the show, you said you weren't really a car guy, but you're a racing fanatic. So, But I always ask my guests this anyway. Is there a car in your life, maybe a first car that you acquired that you were really fond of, that you enjoyed?
1: The first car I ever bought was a Vauxhall um, Nova Sport, which basically was a limited run of 500 little compact cars that... Mm-hmm. Had to be produced for Vauxhall to go rallying, and it had outrageous go faster stripes down the side of it. This was back in the eighties uh, and nice. a really great engine and it was it was good enough to be a run around for for my young family, but just a lot of fun, so I would probably say that was um my favorite car i think of of the ones that I've owned
0: um, yeah, very cool, yeah following some rally racing. They didn't build a whole lot of those uh, that were produced for rally racing, but uh, I do remember seeing those. I mean, they're great little cars. Kind of a, a little bit like a a golf or a GTI yeah, in, in the that, way it looks. A little hatchback, right?
1: That sort of size, um, slightly smaller, I would say, but with a souped-up engine. And the 500 had to be produced so that it could it could be used, converted to be a rally car.
0: Okay, so, kind of a homologation issue. Yeah,
1: homologation uh, special, I guess you'd call it.
0: I see. Awesome, um, but great. It was,
1: it was, it was great. Uh, the stripes were just straight out the eight so. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the go fast stripes, we call them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is that the car you wish you had back? As far as a seller's remorse thought.
1: I think probably my executive Audi A6 was the one I want back. But there you go. I'm very <laughs> happy with my very happy with my say at Leon at the moment.
0: Ah, nice. Okay. Well, let's talk about projects that have you excited and fired up right now. I talked a little bit about books you're working on currently, but tell our listeners a little bit more about your current project and what they can expect when this is completed.
1: Well, I'm um, uh, working on a decade-by-decade history of Formula One, which is called Formula One Car by Car, already in the shops in the 1960s and 1970s, and, and basically it takes All the teams, so there's a section on, for each year, there's a section on Ferrari and Lotus and McLaren and all the greats. but also there's a section on the teams who didn't qualify and raced once and were a disaster. And basically it gives a a brief overview of the car that was produced that year and and the technical advances or not for each one, plus what it did in races and success or failure. And I have to say, I, I... really enjoy writing about the failures <laughs> so much has <is> been written <laughs> about the successes you know it's, right. um, it's it's the minnows that make make it um special in my opinion
0: nice when when do you expect the book to be available for for uh, readers
1: well 1960s and 1970s are both out now i be, i believe uh, the 60s is definitely out in the states and i believe the 70s as well and i've just finished writing the 80s so that's in production so that should be out in the states in
0: the new year Wow, this is going to be a marvelous addition to any uh enthusiast bookcase. And uh I'm gonna work with the publisher here and do my best to do a couple book giveaways here to Carzia yeah subscribers. So I encourage you to go to Karsia.com and click on the free book button. I'll send you my filler up book, uh, which is a kind of a fun um story of gas filler caps. I know it sounds a little funky, but uh, I think you'll like it. But uh, we'll do our best, and uh, for you followers out there, follow me on social media. I'll be posting uh, if I can get my hands on some books to do some giveaways. I think that would be very, very cool. I love it. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Peter. If you were manifested into a vehicle or a race car, what would Peter be, and why? Oh blimey! Um,
1: I, know <laughs> I, wanna, I know what I want to. I know what I want to be. I think I want to be something like a 1939 Tripoli Mercedes, which was basically. A, The Italian races in 1939 were, the Germans were winning everything in 1939 Mm race-wise, and the Italians weren't happy, so they made all their races for one and a half litre voiturette class, rather than Grand Prix races. And so that would have meant the Germans couldn't race, but Mercedes, in complete secrecy, built two, two one and a half litre cars that went to the richest race that was run to Italian rules, which was in Tripoli, and they um, absolutely dominated and won the race. So I, I would, I would love to man- manifest myself as, as one of those because they're, inc- they're incredibly rare, only ever raced once and, and, and won. And, and I think extremely special. Unfortunately, I think being 55 year old, a uh, 55 year old, I may end up as one of those minnows that, that, um, I like writing about. So anyway.
0: Well, I'm not so sure about that, Peter, but I love the way you put it all together. So. Very nice. Uh, maybe an old Range Rover that just keeps on plowing through and getting the job done. Yeah, that, that might be that nice, could too. Be it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, could be it. Through the bogs and up the hills. Well, Peter, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to buy cars and keeping them looking new. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy to install and easy to clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. All right, Peter, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. Being a race fan, you know what that means. The white flag's out. Uh, getting ready for the checkered. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Race to win. Here you go. Never, ever give up. That Jill Villeneuve.
1: Uh, may, maybe um always beat your teammate.
0: <laughs> that too, yeah. No team orders. Take those out of the equation. Mm. Will you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes over the years as a writer? Just continually
1: reading. Reading other people's Mm. work, dipping in and out of of magazines and books and just continually reading about the sport.
0: Always learning, always sharpening the saw, as they say. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would particularly enjoy?
1: Uh, In terms of motor racing, there are a lot of great books and websites um i'm just looking at my library now and autocourse is the motor racing annual that has gone since 1950 51 which is extremely good there's a if you want a book without any photographs but incredibly correct and accurate is a record of grand prix and what you racing which are extremely specialist uh books but great and then behind me i've got a full set of autosport magazines, which is a week-by-week history of the sport from the 1950s. There's so many. Time and Two Seats. Best book ever written
0: about sports car racing. Just so many. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember when that book came out. Incredible. So there are, absolutely. I've subscribed to Autosport for many, many years. Uh, Lovely, wonderful magazine as well. Well, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be? I'll have to go back
1: to Ronnie Peterson just because he was my original hero. So that would be great. Um, and talking of deceased, Gilles Villeneuve uh, refused to give me an autograph in 1981 British Grand Prix. So I think I'd have to put that right.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. You know, it's inter- interesting you say that because uh, I went to a couple F1 races here in the U.S. when they started here and was trying to get some autographs. And I don't really collect autographs. But when you're there and you have a hat and you go, come on, and I remember that occurred with a couple drivers. Some of them did, and some of them just kind of walked on by, and you kind of go, "Well, but I like you. <laughs> Why would you give me your autograph?
1: So, to be very fair to Vilmer, if he had just signed a, a ton of, of autographs. I was just, you know, one too late.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. Those guys get tugged in a lot of directions for sure. Now, how about a book? Other than the books that you've written, which are fantastic, is there another book you might suggest to our listeners that they crack open and read?
1: That's an interesting question, because there's so many ways to get into this sport. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: I mean, if you want um, a really great encyclopedia, then there was one written by a guy called Giano back in 1970, 71, which is just an amazing work. Um, well, I think I'm going to give a shout out to um, a, a, an ex-colleague of mine, Nigel Roebuck, who was Autosports Grand Prix editor for a long time. And a book that I really enjoyed when it came out, which is called Grand Prix Great, which, um, is portraits of, uh, of the great, the great and the good of Grand Prix racing. And, um, I really enjoyed it when it came out. So I'll give, give that as my starting
0: point. There you go. Great guy too. Fantastic. Listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great references on Peter's show notes page. Just go to com, type in Peter. Spelling of his last name is H-I-G-H-A-M. If you need to find him, because Peter, as a strange coincidence, is the most common name of the thousand and one hundred and twenty five guests I've had here on Karsya, which is kind of a funny little trivia thing. But I don't know. Very common name. Very cool.
1: Have you had a Haim
0: before? No, never had one before. So that's a That's a unique one. So that'll make it a lot easier. Haim. Peterheim, to find him, uh, make sure you type that last name, H-I-G-H-A-M, into the search bar and his page will pop right up. You are unique on that side. There we go. Well, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to make you an automotive fan. I'm going to buy you a cool collector car. Now, if you want a vintage race car, that's fine too, but it needs to be something that I hope you would take out and enjoy, whether on the roads or maybe on a, a racetrack, Uh don't worry about the price, because I'm going to pay for this car today, but there's a couple rules. It's the only one you can have. You do have to drive it and enjoy it, and uh, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. What can I buy you today, Peter? I think an Audi TT. Oh, okay. Well, you're not a real expensive date today, so that's No, kind of I know. <laughs> not I know. <laughs> not too bad. I've always wanted one of them. I think they're beautiful. Very unique uh, design. And so that I get you the right car, what color would you like? Uh, it has to be silver for Audi. The old racing colors, German racing yeah. colors, silver. Absolutely. Very nicely done. Yeah, beautifully designed car. Um, quite special and kind of just keeps evolving in its own little shell there. So nice. Well, thank you for not uh, breaking the bank today, Peter, like so many <laughs> of my, my guests do. I appreciate that. Thank you for taking us on a great ride today. I really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey and racing Fanaticism with our listeners here, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the English countryside in that Audi TT?
1: Well, if this, if you've got a book idea in you and uh, you want to write, then make notes and get the idea down on paper, um, but make sure you get a publisher before you start writing.
0: Very wise words. And who's the, the main publisher for your books?
1: My publisher is Evero Publishing, uh, who are responsible for the Formula One Car by Car series of books. Great to work with and, and really dedicated to bringing out quality motor racing books, which is refreshing in this digital age.
0: Absolutely. Could you spell their name for us? E-V-R-O. Evero Publishing. Okay, cool. I'll make sure I put a link to that on your show notes page. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you?
1: The best way probably is to, uh, to keep up with, with my work is to go to Everett's website and, uh, and see what's coming out.
0: There you go. I'll make sure I put a link to that website on Peter's show notes page so that you can find his books. I would encourage you, if you love having an automotive library, these books need to be on your shelf like they are on mine. Peter, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much.